Okay, so Kathleen's been nice enough to, to take a little extra time to talk about two of the most incredible parasitic manipulations. So let me tell you about the parasitic barnacle. And um, like suspend any preconceived notions you have about barnacles. This barnacle does not have a shell, nor does it attach to the sides of piers or rocks or seaweeds. Uh, during the, the free, its free-living stage, it sort of frolics in the sea until alighted by scent. It, um, it finds a crab, and it then uh, attaches itself to the crab and injects a clump of its um, cells through a chink in its armor, usually one of the joints. And that clump of cells then sort of starts um, madly dividing and forms into a dense bundle of sort of fibers that resemble roots that wrap around the crab's um, brain and all of its organs and eventually actually neuter the crab and we're a female crab. I know it's really, it's like the closest thing to science fiction's nightmarish no body snatcher. I guess that's why I like it. This case so much. Wow. So then where a female crab would normally grow a brood pouch on her underbelly, the, um, the, this barnacle, this parasitic barnacle, pushes out and grows um, a brood pouch of its own. And from that moment forward, the crab basically lives to nourish and nurture the um, the, the the parasites um, developing offspring. And um, you know, it really ceases to have a will of its own. And when the parasites are ready to be born, the, the crab then migrates into deeper water and um, while bobbing up and down, it, it releases them into the currents, you know, all the while waving its claws um, in, in the air to, to send them on their way so that they can commandeer the minds and bodies wow. of, of more crabs. And one of the things that's really amazing I call these robo-crabs, these parasitized crabs. <laughs> but one thing that really amazed me about them is how common they are. Huh. Really? Um, so, yeah, like uh, there's a huge class of barnacles that are parasitic. And, um, for example, I think it's like 20% of the crabs in Danish fjords are infected. 50% of Hawaiian crabs are infected. So think about that. When 50? you walk off the beach in Hawaii and you see a crab, yeah. um, if, if, if you flip it over, you may see a sort of yellow bladder-shaped organ. And if you do, that is the parasite's food pouch. <laughs> wow. And these crabs also tend to look a little bit mangier than normal crabs, like sort of <laughs> collecting, for example, collecting normal-looking barnacles. You know, uh. you know, on their on their outside arm or a little seaweed or whatever, and that's because they can no longer molt. The parasite uh. doesn't want them to molt because it's using too much energy that could go into producing more of the parasite's offspring. Um, okay, so fifty percent of Hawaiian crabs are infected. Seventy seventy five percent of blue crabs in the Chesapeake Bay are infected. Wow. And in um, some um, parts of the Mediterranean, 100% of the crabs, by the time they reach advanced age, have become infected. 100%? 
Yeah. Wow. What happens is normally um, crabs produce offspring every, I'm not sure, I mean, it depends on the species too, but let's just say every few months they produce a new batch of offspring. But so they may continue to produce more crabs, but then, so, you know, it's in the Mediterranean, sooner or later they become infected. And that's and why 100%, you can say 100% become infected, but they're not infected throughout their entire lifespan, right. which is why the, the crabs don't go extinct. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, because there has to be a delicate balance. I mean, the, the barnacle can't overrun the crab population because they okay. need them as hosts. Exactly. Got to keep some of them alive. Well, And this is kind of an incredible example uh, because essentially the barnacle, which like you said, looks nothing like a barnacle. So it, it's, oh, it often confuses me how it's classified as one, but it essentially acts as a virus in a way and also like a fungus because it injects this material, this genetic material, which then grows kind of like the mycelium of a fungus and, you know, gets around all the internal organs, takes them over, takes over the brain. And mm -hmm. then, so at that point, what is it doing to convince this crab to forego its former crab identity and now become uh, a chronicle? Well, I'm not sure we know all the details, but um, the crab is still behaving like any normal crab. You know, it's still trolling the shoreline, munching on mussels and other food sources. Um, it's just that the nutrients that it absorbs are all going towards this barnacle that fills most of the inside of its shell. Wow. <laughs> and even, you know, like when a crab uh, is ready to usher its own offspring into the currents, it behaves in a similar way. Mm. It's just that when it's releasing those offspring, it's not its offspring. So right. <laughs> that's so bizarre. It's just bizarre how you can take over an animal and then convince it to take care of your young that have no genetic connection to it at all, and is yeah. it, and get it to protect them. It's it's just incredible. Um, and the other thing, I really think of them a little bit like I mean, I call them robo crabs because they're really like crabs that are being piloted. Right. By a parasitic barnacle. I mean, this barnacle <laughs> fills most of the inside of the crab. Mm. And then its reproductive organ is on the outside of the crab. Right. And so basically you're looking at um, a barnacle masquerading as a crab. Right. It's basically eating the crab out and then it's been replaced <laughs> Except for itself. its brain, so it's still behaving like a crab. Right. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. It's a hybrid. It's a hybrid life form. That's really what it is. Yeah, I know. It really is. Uh, half barnacle. Actually, more barnacle than crab. It's well, a crabarnacle. It's a crabarnacle. Um, so now these, how do these things sexually reproduce? Do they have to find other hybrid crabarnacles or are they basically asexual in a way? The barnacle. How does the barnacle reproduce? Oh, you've got me there. I'm not sure. I I don't at this. Stumped I still remember you. like fine details of that, but I think um, I don't know that. Um, well, anyway, once the barnacle is released, uh -huh. you know the, the, the little larval um, barnacle. Yeah. You know, then yeah. they're free living. I don't know if they have sex to advance to the next stage or, um, you know, I don't know if they come in two genders or not. Something I do know a little bit um, when you talk about gender, like what happens when a barnacle 
one of these parasitic barnacles infects a male crab. And what's interesting is that it actually um, feminizes the male crabs. Wow. Like female crabs tend to be wider. Uh, their shell is wider than that of the male crab. Well, mm-hmm. when they become, when a male crab is infected, their um, shell widens like that of a female. Wow. And, um, and, and they also start, um, you know, displaying female like behaviors, like they, they, like the female crab, they'll keep the, um, algae off the, um, the brood pouch, you know, mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. protect the developing offspring. So they start behaving and, and the, and the crab does the male crabs grow this brood pouch? It's the parasite's brood pouch, but normally male crabs don't produce brood pouches, but still the parasite succeeds in, in growing a brood pouch on the, on the male. Unbelievable. So they've kind of partly feminized the male crabs. Unbelievable. That is, I mean, it's, it's an incredible organism. I mean, it's, it, this is really a crazy example. Um, so let's let's talk about so these this next example is kind of trippy in a way because it's essentially spiders that have been hijacked to produce different webs. Um, how does this work? Okay, this is a, another example of a parasitic wasp, um, but this one instead of going after cockroaches, it goes after spiders. And what it will do is it will um, grab an orb spider and deposit an egg on its belly. And as that egg develops into a larva, it begins um, sucking out nutrients, but also pumping in chemicals that basically instruct the spider to abandon its normal weaving style. Orb spiders typically, you know, have that trademark circular motif. Mm -hmm. Well, they'll completely abandon that weaving style and instead basically make a custom design nursery for the parasitic wasp (laughs) and they'll they'll even um you know they'll even make a decorative motif at the center to camouflage the um the wasp's larva whoa i didn't know that once the nursery is complete um the larva will inject a poison into the spider and and kill it and then the larvae actually have little tiny legs, and they then ascend, you know, the silk fibers to the web, hook themselves on, and, and then eventually they'll molt, and the, a new wasp is born. And there's a whole bunch of different um, parasitic wasps that um, attack different species of orb spiders. And in each instance, the, depending on the species, of, of wasp and, and the particular species of orb spider, um, the induced webs can vary enormously. In one case, um, the parasitic wasp induces its host to produce a three-dimensional web, which is really quite surprising when you think about it because um, orb spiders across nature make planar webs. But this induced web is three-dimensional and it has all these sort of spokes that go to the center. And right at the center of the web is like uh, this densely woven mesh. that's sort of like a, a hammock. And, and, and the larva sort of Sounds rests on the wonderful. hammock, like on its side, as if taking a nap. Sure. <laughs> 
that's crazy when you think about it because it has how how does it get them to do this how does it give them the blueprints this is a complete mystery to scientists well they have one or two clues in some cases the induced webs look a little bit like what are called resting webs when spiders are not producing their normal webs they sometimes produce a um, a resting web and they, they say resting web because they're sort of taking a rest <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're sort of sl- slightly more primitive looking um, webs and sometimes uh, components of the webs resemble the the resting web that the spider would normally make but then there are many instances in which the induced web bears no resemblance to anything that the spider normally produces. And as you know, one of the scientists who, who studied this phenomenon, in fact, brought it to scientific attention, you know, he, he said that you know, these are very fine-tuned instructions. So to him, this is just totally remarkable that, that they can do this. I mean, you're building a hammock, a relaxing hammock for a larva that's not your own. I mean, that is very specific. And I believe in in your book, you talk about how the same species of spider can be infected by different wasps, and each wasp will have different instructions for that particular spider. Yes, it it completely depends on the pairing. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, and it's now, now, do, do they keep the spider alive long enough to protect the larva, or do they abandon it or kill it the moment the spider has completed the nursery you know this web once it has completed it the the larva then kills the spider and injects a poison and drops its desiccated corpse onto the ground (laughs) it's done with it it served its purpose (laughs) yeah there are no thank yous in the animal kingdom (laughs) job well done none of that or anything Uh, wow. I mean, it is, it is a brutal place out there. Um, but it is, you know, it, it is made probably because I'm not a prey to these things that you can kind of look at it and find it fascinating, but it is startlingly, startlingly brutal and manipulative. And there's a sophistication that exists that I think most people wouldn't believe could happen in insects and bacteria. And I think that's kind of, at least that's where my fascination lies. Kathleen, thank you so much for sticking around. I think that these two examples are probably two shining ones and what the animal kingdom is capable of. Uh, It's crazy out there. Um, But Kathleen, thank you so much for sticking around. (laughs) Thank you. Stay well. (laughs) Stay safe. Be glad you're not a cockroach or a spider. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Um, And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night.